Welcome to the podcast series, Saving the World Isn't Rocket Science, where we interview local researchers about sustainability problems in Trondheim and possible solutions. I'm Bilde and I'm joined today by Mila. We're a part of a group of students in the expert and teams project at NTNU. Today, we will talk about human wildlife conflicts in the area of Trondheim. Specifically, we will look at the moose population and their effect on boreal forests. The moose is the largest and most widespread hooved herbivore in boreal forests in Fenoscandia, Russia, and North America. During the last hundred years, the status of the moose has changed, from being a relatively rare species to becoming a dominated species all over the forested parts of Fenoscandia. In Norway, the moose has a strong cultural importance as part of recreational hunting, with approximately 150 active hunters hunting within the municipality of Trondheim. The increase in population was largely due to better control over the hunting pressure, the widespread use as clear-cutting as a forestry method, increasing food availability, and to reduce competition from domestic grazers such as sheep, cows, and horses. We are joined today by Annesh Kolsta, guest researcher at NTNU. His main research interest is concerning large herbivores, especially moose, and how they affect the vegetation and ecosystem functioning in boreal production forests. He focuses on a wide range of herbivore vegetation interactions, including carbon and nutrient dynamics. When we were reading your research papers, it seems like research with wild animals can be pretty complicated. Uh, so we were wondering, like, how do you conduct your research to come to your results? You can't uh, round them up and uh, control their numbers, or you can't even count them because they're elusive. And uh, even though they're big, they're very hard to, to find. So we have to do it uh, in sort of different ways. Uh, what I've been doing is uh, working in this uh, exclosure experiment where we exclude the moose. So we put up a fence basically in the forest and, and uh, keep everything out. And then we see what happens. So you could say we're not actually studying the effects of moose because that's on the outside of the fence. <laughs> We're studying the effects of removing moose, uh, and it's uh, it's a little bit different, uh, but it is as close as we can get to finding the effect of moose. These experiments are useful because you're controlling for so many other things. You're left with the effect of moose and the possibility of isolating their effect on the vegetation. So we're closer to the causality. Focus of our podcast is um, the interaction of moose population and industrial tree farming practices. So could you elaborate a bit on that? The moose is a forest animal, but the main thing that people will be focusing on is uh, how moose will eat economically important trees, especially than a pine. So pine is the second most important timber species in Norway. So there is a, there is a cost to having a lot of moose uh, in terms of uh, you losing your um, small seedlings that you've planted out and where it takes longer to regenerate uh, pine forest. So that's the main conflict with forestry. But the synergies as well, and they are equally important. One main thing is that most uh, hunters are uh, landowners. The, the hunting quotas are handed out according to how much land you have. Uh, so the hunters are also foresters in many cases. So they will have to judge for themselves what is most important to them, the pine regeneration or the hunting. And now that the price of timber and the benefits or the, the income from having a forest is uh, much reduced, 
So you can actually make up for that by selling hunting licenses. So it's compensating, I guess, for the changing market value of timber. So that's a good thing for the forestry people. And the other thing is that the moose doesn't eat uh, that much pine. Actually, it's not their favorite food at all. It's uh, the deciduous trees. The most flush green looking things for the forestry is not as uh, concerned about that because these are species that are competing with their commercial species. The moose are in a way doing them a favor by taking away their competition. So that's another benefit that forestry has for moose. So it's uh, pluses and minuses. So that's good for the moose and the forestry, but how does this affect like the surrounding ecosystems? Um, when I started studying moose, I, I just intuitively thought that this was a sort of marginal effect that you would kind of study for the interest of knowing how things are working in nature. I didn't think it would have big societal consequences. Because when you walk out in the forest and you look around, you come to an opening, uh, it's been cut some while ago, and the opening that you walked into, if there were no moose there, could very easily be dense forest. So the effect of moose, even though you never see moose, hardly ever see moose, but they're always there and they're always eating. And the effects, the, the accumulated effect is actually very big. So uh, an adult moose puts away seven to nine tons food every year and there's lots of them they shape the forest in a way that uh, it's very hard to imagine what it would look like now if they, were, they weren't there we see some indications of what the, it could look like inside of these exclosures where it's very hard now to walk through the vegetation because it's so dense after 10 years of uh, regeneration well it's outside the fence where there's um, there's been no forestry thinning or anything like that, but it's still very open, like you would normally think a forest uh, looks like. Uh, the effects on the vegetation inside and outside these fences clearly show that moose can have a big effect. Is there one of the states of the ecosystems that, that you would say is better or more desirable? That's a very good question. And um, no, it's not even up to me to say which one is better. It depends uh, very much on your management goals. Because an open forest is exactly what you want if you're growing uh, spruce, because they're not eaten and they will grow faster. So um, that's good. And it's also easier if you want to ski there in winter. So really, there's so many things that we want our forests to do for us. So it, it's really not an objective truth to that very good question that's maybe why we need a management to really take in over itself the range of potential uses that the forest has benefits that we get from forest uh, so it's not one-sided should we listen to the berry pickers or should we listen to the skiers or just the hunters because if you say it's a good or bad thing really depends on who you ask and you've mentioned that, for example, moose can clear out an entire patch of forest and you can actually see the difference. But would that mean that, for example, the moose population is currently too large for some areas and that it should, like the population size would be smaller in some? I think that's safe to say because we have such a range in uh, moose densities uh, that some places it will also be too low. Other places, it's uh, probably too high in most uh, well, again, it depends on who you 
are asking. But if it's really high, then uh, also the people that benefit from high immune densities will uh, see the negative effects. For example, if you're a hunter, you won't have a lot of moose to hunt. But if there's too many moose, then they will compete with each other for food and, and not uh, grow as big. So then they also would not want to see that scenario. In many parts of Norway, we're probably there that they should be reduced a bit. There are other things that you could potentially consider, uh, which is uh, the potential risk of disease. And even if it's not too high now in an area, if you think the probability of uh, an eruptive disease, it's very appropriate to talk about in these times. If it would infect easier in a dense moose population, uh, then it would be smart to reduce the population before you had that situation. And there is such a disease uh, sort of uh, on our doorstep called chronic wasting disease. And people are taking that now into consideration when they're planning moose, uh, uh, their moose hunting. We would like to talk about your research in the context of policy and management. So do you foresee any changes in the future moose management schemes? Um, I'm not uh, maybe on the inside of the management or enough on the inside to, to be able to foresee it. But uh, from where I'm standing anyways, it doesn't appear that way. People are, I think, all over quite happy with the system. And also, I'm not a moose hunter, so I'm also not on the inside of, of that stakeholder group, as I say. But it's generally, people are quite happy with the system. And... Um, it's not a very bad system either, and it's very uh, understandable that they are happy. One thing that differs between uh, from Norway to other countries, for example, is that our management is very locally anchored. It's actually the hunters themselves which will make uh, a lot of the decisions for their local moose population into the future. Uh, it kind of empowers the resource user and uh, the local residents in a very popular way and also in a smart way because they have the the experience from being out there the animals i guess not directly with the animals but uh, they, they live it every day and uh, they have a lot of experience-based knowledge that they can take into management and um, yeah it's hard to change that system overnight there will be some inertia there because uh, they would have to basically give up some of their privileges. Could you maybe mention a few of other uh, important stakeholders that are involved in shaping the, the policy for the moose populations? Everyone basically has a say in this because it's a public decision. I guess it's made in the, at the municipality level. Uh, so you can go there and, and uh, tell them what you think, basically. And everyone can do that. You can say, I'm a berry picker and uh, it's uh, not looking good for my bilberries. Uh, but in reality, it doesn't really happen. Uh, so the main stakeholders are the hunters and the foresters. And they are often the same people with different ones. It also depends if you're a spruce or a pine forester. So it's a very complex group of people. And then there is um, everybody that drives a car. <laughs> will have an interest in what happens with moose in Norway. Uh, and that's uh, the second most important uh, mortality factor for moose is uh, road accidents. Uh, we shoot 30,000, 40,000 moose a year. 
we hit about maybe 4,000 and directly kill about 2,000 moose a year with cars and uh, trains. It's quite interesting because you've mentioned now safety and maybe disease management as two important factors for designing a policy. Are there other factors that are important to take into account? There's basically an endless list, but uh, uh, you could obviously think biodiversity should be on that list. It's more of a national or regional policy level. The big problem is that it's we don't really know uh, the net effect of moose on any of these things because it's simply it's very complicated. For biodiversity, there's so many organismal groups and we only study the big ones. So we don't really know. And there's also a lot of context specificity. So what's true for moose is maybe not true for deer. And what's true in Norway is maybe not true in Sweden. So if you have a study from one area and uh, one time and one species, uh, you cannot uh, uh, directly translate that into your area. Yeah, there's a lot of, because moose, they will affect so many things, but we can only manage what we understand. Otherwise we are gambling. <laughs> but um, you could say that, oh, we'll just stick to managing moose for hunting and traffic safety. But uh, we can also try to learn more about these other things. We've seen indications that uh, moose, for example, can have a huge effect on this climate mitigation potential. Could be something that we can harvest, I guess, use in a what we call a nature-based solution to combat climate change. So you, making nature do the work, basically, by just tweaking it a little bit here and there. But uh, that's one of the big topics and what we're working on, actually, at the moment. With this, we will end this podcast and thank you, Anush, very much for your time and insight. To sum it up, moose management and policy is complex and it involves many factors and stakeholders. Moose management is managed locally with involvement of hunters that own the land the moose live on. Moose can influence ecosystems in many different ways and it can be difficult to study these effects as research with wild animals is challenging. By excluding the moose from young forests, it was more dense and diverse than young forests with moose present. Whether this is an issue, that depends on whom you're asking. If you want to learn more about this topic and the research, we invite you to check out the website of ecosystemmoose.com. Thank you for listening. This podcast was created as part of the EIT program at NTNU in collaboration with Wilde Ors, Katrin Noswold, Herda Pastong Savas, Mila Flotes and Janis Wacker.